talk about hope and grief today. Now, to know hope, to live life with hope, to feel yourself being pulled into the future by hope, to be able to face the challenges of life with hope, I mean, that's what we all want, right? That would be great. But there are some times in life when we feel like we're in a place of little hope, or maybe even no hope. And sometimes we can get stuck and feel hopeless. It's, it's one thing to have a rainy day, right? But it's another thing when it rains and it rains and it rains and it rains and it doesn't seem to end. And we begin to wonder if the sun will ever shine again. So we talk about hope and grief today. I need to make a very important distinction uh, because when the Bible uses the word hope, it means something very different than the way we use the word hope in just common conversation. When we say hope today, we mean wish. We want something to happen. We don't have any control over it. We can't influence the outcome, but we hope or we wish that it will happen. So for instance, for all these parents with high, high school grad open houses, they hope that the sun will shine. It's a wish, right? Can't control the sun, right? They wish it will shine. Uh, we hope or wish that inflation will come down. Uh, we hope or wish that our kids will be safe in schools. We talk about hope as a wish. In fact, you could actually take the word hope out and just stick the word wish in. In Scripture, uh, the Bible, hope is not a wish. It's a confident expectation. This is going to happen. So in Psalm 25.5, David wrote, Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. David did not write, I wish that you would lead me with your truth. I wish that you would help me. I wish you would save me. I spent all my day wishing you would show up and help. No, David said, lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in you. David had this confident expectation that God would lead him and teach him and save him. Not a wish, confident expectation. Sometimes grief can strand us in hopelessness. And then hope has to come in, grab hold of us, and pull us forward into what God has for us. Grief is one of the biggest challenges we have to having hope. And grief is simply, it's sadness. We lose something, or we lose someone, or things don't turn out the way they're supposed to, and we experience grief. It's sadness. And there are varying intensities of grief, obviously, all the way from, I'm sad because I lost my favorite hat, to, I'm sad because I lost my wife of 50 years, or I'm sad because, I lost, uh, because my child died. Very different intensity of sadness or grief. And the deeper the grief is, the more likely it is to strand us for a period of time in hopelessness. We just can't seem to move forward, don't have the energy, we feel stuck, and even though the world's full of great, bright, beautiful colors in our grief, all we can see is black and white. And we ask questions like, why? Why did God do something? Why did it turn out this way? In Scripture, the Bible is very clear that God created... Uh, his creation is good, but sin entered the world and everything has been infected and messed up and influenced by sin. So, but even understanding that's, that the, it's a messed up world, it doesn't make the sadness go away. It's still there. And if you're at a point of really deep grief, and I've been here before, you can get to the point where you just don't expect anything good to happen. That's grief its deepest. Hope grabs hold of us and pulls us forward. It, inst it instills in us this confident expectation God will lead us. 
He will reveal his truth to us. He will help us. He will save us. The grief is still there. The sadness is still there. Very real, but hope grabs hold of us and begins to pull us forward. Now, last Sunday, we talked about that when a believer in Jesus dies, they're immediately with the Lord, at home with the Lord. Hope. Best is yet to come. And when Christ returns at the end, our spirits are reunited with new resurrection bodies. Our names are written in the book of life because we know Jesus. And we're all welcomed by God into the new heaven and the new earth when everything is made new. No tears, no suffering, no death. And God more than makes up for all the heartbreaks of this earthly life. So that is the sure, solid hope of the Bible. This confident expectation that God is pulling us into that future Right in the middle of our grief, hope pulls us to God's good future. This is a picture of, of uh, my grandson Nate and granddaughter Lily being pulled behind the boat in the, their brand new tube. Although this tube looks like more like a floating sofa, doesn't it? This is out in Michigan, happened last weekend. They're out for, I think, the first ride at the, the lake by the cottage. Weather was warm, 80 degrees. Water wasn't. Water was probably still 50 Kids had their life jackets on. Both are really good swimmers, but they had their life jackets on. Took off around the lake on the tube. Everything's going great, but it's the first time they'd pulled the tube, and they, I think they had some of the connections wrong in the front, and it flipped. So Nate and Lily were fine, uh, and Nate you know, swam over to the boat, but Lily, when it turned over, there was kind of this, this visual air pocket, you know, when the sofa turns upside down, and Lily just froze. She wasn't hurt. She wasn't panicking, she just froze. She just didn't move. And so our daughter Sarah had to dive into the lake and swim over and get Lily out and bring her to the boat. And don't worry about Lily, 10 minutes later she's back on the tube, she's fine. But this is what grief does. It flips our life upside down. Just flips the thing. And all of a sudden we're disoriented and we're just afraid to move. We don't know what to do. And that's when Hope has to dive in, swim over, grab a hold of us and pull us to safety, and to the future. That's how hope works in the Bible. It grabs hold of us right where we're at and begins to pull us forward into the future that God has for us because the best is yet to come. Now about grief, it's important that you and I understand that Jesus experienced grief. Jesus, fully God, fully human, experienced grief. And John writes a story about the time when Jesus showed up in Bethany uh, four days after his good friend Lazarus had died. So his two sisters, Mary and Martha, are waiting for Jesus to come. They're deep in grief. And many people had gathered to mourn with them. In Middle Eastern tradition, uh, mourning is not quiet. It's very visible and very verbal, and people know someone died. And Jesus talked with both Mary and Martha on kind of two separate occasions, and they both said the same thing to Jesus. If you had been here, Lazarus would not have died. That's something you say to Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, wailing, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Jesus knows the deepest kind of grief, the grief of loss, the grief that comes from watching the lives of people you love, watching their lives have been traumatized. And the deepest grief that only God can experience, the grief of watching people affected by 
the sin and the mess of this fallen world when it's not the way God made it to begin with. And so Jesus gets angry because God did not make creation this way. Sin's messed it up. And he weeps. Not a tear down that corner of the eye. He weeps. Grief. And the story ends with Jesus, the son of the living God, the true hope of the world, so to speak, grabbing hold of Lazarus and calling him out of the tomb back to life. Which, by the way, is what Jesus will do for us at the end when he comes back. He will raise us up, give us new resurrection bodies at the end. Really important to understand that grief is a pivot point. When grief comes, deep sadness, we either turn to God and, and, and find hope or we turn away from God, wander away in hopelessness or try and find some hope replacement. We pivot one way or the other. I got a picture of a basketball player. He's got the ball. He's got his two feet set. Well, actually, he can move one of them. He can't. He's got a pivot foot. One's got to stay put. I learned this in seventh grade basketball camp. But the other foot, you can pivot forward or you can pivot back. When grief hits you and me, it, it plants one of our feet in that sadness. And that sadness is not going to go away. It's just there. But we got this free foot. We can either pivot away from God because we're mad or angry or feeling hopeless or don't think anything can change. Or we can pivot in desperation toward God and ask him to give us hope. Now, if you're like me, you've done both. I've pivoted away from God before I woke up and realized this is not working. I need to pivot toward God and the hope that he can give. Now, if you've pivoted away from God, which probably most of us have done, and it's where you are right now, there's a couple things you can do to pivot, help yourself pivot back toward God. Hope comes from acknowledging our grief. That's why I shared you the story about Jesus. He was honest with God the Father, with himself, and with the people around him about his grief and sadness. No hiding it. Everybody knew Jesus was deeply troubled. Everybody knew he was mad about Lazarus' death. Everybody knew he was weeping. He acknowledged his grief. may sound strange, but the hope that Jesus has gets its best grip on us when we're most honest about our grief. And that's why we lit candles in memories of those who died this past year. We feel the loss. The grief is real. We spoke their names out loud. When I'm talking with someone, usually after a funeral, and their voice breaks and they begin to cry because of their grief, yeah, you've experienced that, they always say to me, oh, I'm sorry. And you know what I say back? Nothing to be sorry about. Nothing to be sorry about. We don't hide our grief. We're honest with God, with ourselves and others. That helps begin the process of being able to pivot back to God when we're honest. Also, hope comes from grieving in community. This is part of our in into community rhythm. We walk with each other through grief. Uh, oftentimes, if you've had a, someone that you really care about and they experience intense grief, for a split second or maybe for longer, there, there is a desire to pull away because you don't want to deal with the pain. But as followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ, when somebody's in grief, we walk with them on the path ahead. We walk with them. We don't pull away. So let's just say uh, some guy loses a job. It's a job he's always wanted. He got it. He's at the top of the ladder, so to speak, and he loses it. 
And because he's embarrassed, he keeps it all to himself. He doesn't share his grief or sadness with anybody else. And that, that loss, that grief will, will gain an incredible power over him that will control his entire life. But if he has a friend and, and he can bring it to say to his friend, you know, I lost my job. And his friend says, wow, that sounds really hard. Tell me about that. Tell me about that. Suddenly that man's not alone anymore. Someone's going to listen. He can share the story. And the power of that grief that ruled his life begins to lessen. And he can move towards hope. Really important. And then along the same line but different, we grieve three different ways. You've been through this. I have maybe just didn't understand it. But sometimes we grieve without hope. It's a really dark place to be. Sometimes we're there for a while. Sometimes we get stuck there. But grieving without hope means we focus on only what we lost. That's all we can think about. That's all we can see. I lost a job. I lost a child. I lost a spouse. I lost a marriage. I lost a dream. I lost my health. It's gone. It just crushes. Grieving without hope, all we can think about is what we lost. It means we don't think things get any better. And the best was back there someplace. And for you and me, if you're hit with traumatic loss and grief, that's just what we do right away. We just can't hope. But we don't want to stay there. And so sometimes we try something which isn't, isn't quite what God wants us to do, but we're trying. We, we grieve with conditional hope. And by conditional hope, I mean we come up with a plan in our mind, well, I lost that, that person, that thing, so I'm going to find something else, maybe equally good to replace it at least to distract me from my loss. Just distract me. But it's a really frustrating way to grieve because all the things we, we pick to replace what we lost won't. The grief is still there. Which brings us to the way that Scripture calls us to grieve. We grieve with hope in Jesus Christ. We're still grieving. The sadness is still there. It just doesn't go away. But we're grieving with a hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I experienced this a couple weeks ago, sitting in my office uh, uh, and uh, got a text. It was from our daughter, Sarah. And she texted me the obituary of David Lloyd Stephenson, who died on April 28th of this year. And when I saw his obituary, it came through with a little picture of Dave. I cried. I cried. Because when we lived in Little Falls, Minnesota, Dave was a pastor in another church in town. And I got to know Dave. I was there for 18 years. He was there for, I think, over two decades at the church he was serving. And his daughter was really good friends with our daughter. So there's a strong connection there. And Dave was a great guy. He was intensely committed to Jesus Christ. He had this big heart for people. He'd been there a couple decades. Everybody knew him in the community. He was always encouraging people to grow up in their faith. And I never told him, but I admired him. I admired him. And he was a type of example for me. And so I saw that obituary picture. I, I knew he had passed away, but I saw the picture and it just hit. And I cried. Because I lost him. His family lost him. His church, his community, he's gone. But I'm grieving with hope because I know that Dave's a believer. Dave is now at home with the Lord. This is good. And I grieve with hope because when Jesus comes back at the end, Dave will receive a new resurrection body, and because Dave's name is written in the book of life, God will welcome Dave into the new heaven and new earth, and there will be a great reunion of family and friends 
and I will see Dave again. That's good. So that's grieving with hope in Jesus that pulls us forward into the good future that God has for us. So next steps today, very simple, really very important. Be honest with God, yourself, and others about your grief. Be honest. If, if you don't, if I don't, the power of grief becomes incredible. And I don't know what it is, but we just have a hard time following Jesus' example of being honest about grief. We think we're strong. We've got to power through it. We think tears are a sign of weakness. We think we just have to figure it out on our own. Or we say, I'm fine, when we're not. Be like Jesus. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to cry. And we can do one simple thing to, that can be very helpful to one another. Uh, instead of asking, when you meet somebody who's had any kind of loss, whether death or job or whatever it is, don't ask, are you okay? Because when you ask, are you okay, the other person thinks you want them to say, yeah, I'm okay, so they don't, you don't have to share their pain. So instead of asking, are you okay, just say this. This must be hard for you. This must be hard for you. And if they want to tell you the story, they will, and you can listen. Help each other be honest. We all can do this. And then in your grief, pivot to God. Don't pivot away. True story from another place, another time. Married couple that I knew, both followers of Jesus, had a number of kids, and within a few short years, two of their kids died tragic deaths. Unimaginable grief. And so for both husband and wife, one of their feet was planted in deep sadness that's never going to leave them to lose a child. But they got this free foot. They can pivot. They're going to pivot toward God in desperation to find hope or they pivot away. One of the parents pivoted away, a long ways away, became bitter, angry, negative, a complainer. They still are to this day. The other parent, in desperation, pivoted toward God. And this parent who pivoted toward God didn't really take their faith in Jesus that seriously before, but now they did now. And over the years, I watched something amazing happen. I watched their faith in Jesus become deep and strong and life-giving and, strange as it may sound, joyful. They became joyful. And they had an amazing ability to empathize with people in deep pain. So be honest. Your grief, foot planted in sadness, how have you pivoted? And if you've pivoted away from God, which I have, so if you have, it's just the way it is, pivot back. Pivot toward God, and he will meet you. And I've given you a prayer for this week. It's on the program. Pick one up on the way out. Let's just pray it together. Read it with me. Jesus, I'm grieving. I've lost things and people that have meant a lot to me. Thank you for the time I had the things and people that I valued. Thank you for the certain hope I have of a new resurrection body and the new earth and new heaven when you return. Amen. And if you're dealing with grief, I would just speak that to Jesus each day this week to kind of help you get your pivot down in the right direction. I invite the worship team to come on up. Get set for our closing song. Uh, the Bible's where hope is at. Everything else is kind of a distraction. So if you have a Bible or don't have a Bible that's easy to read, pick one of these up and read 1 Thessalonians because one of the things the Apostle Paul writes in chapter 4 is how to grieve with hope. Find out about it.
great book, great chapter. And as always, thank you for being thankful to God and then expressing that thanksgiving by investing financially in the work that God's given us to do here at Cornerstone. Uh, you're giving well, and we're able to do the things that God's asked us to do. So thank you for that.